Welcome back to The Good, The Bad, and The Backlog, the podcast where in each episode we take on a game from our backlog and come on here and have a chat about it. I am your host, Adam, and today I am joined by none other than my usual co-host. He is the most potent seed in the garden. It is Kieran. Ah, oh, hello there. I like I like that. How potent is your seed? Ah, <laughs> uh, man, it's, uh, it's extremely potent. Let me tell you. Is it salty? Have you been eating pizza? Uh, yes, I've been eating pizza. <laughs> I've been getting my blood pressure so high from all that salt. And uh, I'm, I'm nigh on kidney failure because of all the salt. It's good stuff. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> That's what I like to hear. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So what have you been up to in the last couple of weeks? Um, a, a, a fair amount of stuff, I guess. No, nothing too exciting. I mean, yesterday got myself a little COVID test, one of those lateral flow ones where they sh- shove something up your nose and then nice. shove it in a tube and like 20 minutes later, they'd be like, yo, you got it or you don't. And fortunately, I didn't have it, so I can roam freely a bit longer. I can't believe it's only 20 minutes. That's crazy. It might have been longer. I think it was maybe oh. getting on for half an hour. It was pretty quick. Oh, yeah. but still, I think ours is like next day. There's different types of tests, but this one... I'm not sure it's like 99% accurate or something. It's like a little bit less, but uh, oh, okay. mostly accurate. So, hey, I'll take it. Mm. Oh, well, you can take it and you can keep it in the UK uh, along with your mutant strain, which uh, has apparently invaded Australia now, by the way. Oh, yes, we've given it to you. Nice. <laughs> it's apparently someone who was living abroad came back and brought the mutant strain with them, but apparently they haven't spread it yet, but- Give it a couple days. <laughs> oh, man, you'll be like us on another lockdown before you know it. God, I hope not. Yeah, it kind of sucks. It's in another state, so as long as it's not in my state, that's fine. Sweet. Nice. Anyway, besides that, what else have you been doing? Watching any cool movies? Oh, actually, uh, speaking of cool <laughs> movies, <laughs> I've yeah. rewatched my favorite film of 2020. And it should be everyone's favorite film of 2020. I know it's mine. Eurovision, the story of Fire Saga. <laughs> if that's the name, it's I can't so even good. remember. It's one of those films where I just saw the trailer and thought, this looks kind of funny. And then it ended up being one of my favorite films for a long time. So I'm just so happy to watch it. I was surprised that you liked it so much because um, when I watched it, I was also thinking, oh, this is probably just going to be some stupid shit. And then loved every minute of it. Yeah. <laughs> but it was so good. It's so weird. And I like, normally hate Will Ferrell. Yeah, me too. I There's very, very, very few films with Will Ferrell that I can tolerate. I think yes. Elf might be one of them. Uh, yep. like, Blades of Glory was, was kind of funny. Other than that, no. I usually don't like him. But this <laughs> one just, man, it was spot on. It was like they've captured yeah. Eurovision while respecting it, but also taking the piss out of it. Yeah, it's so good. And the songs. The songs are so catchy. Yeah. I've been listening to it all weekend and it's um, probably driving my neighbors crazy, which is fine (laughs) because they're pissing me off anyway. (laughs) Yeah. It's kind of funny. Like, I don't watch Eurovision. I I mean, I I appreciate the tackiness of it, uh, but I can't stand watching the show just because of how long it takes to get all the votes in and stuff. It's like, I'll just watch watch the tunes on YouTube. But uh, it it was super fun. I highly recommend everyone watch it. Yeah, go and watch it. We're not sponsored by uh, Fire Saga, Eurovision Story, or whatever it's called, but go and watch it. Honestly, <laughs> I wish we were. Do yourself a favor. It's on Netflix. Just, yeah, 
It's two hours well spent. And then you can watch Ya Ya Ding Dong for 10 hours on repeat on YouTube because that's what you need to do with your life. Yeah, that's what I've been doing. Yeah. <laughs> Play Ya Ya Ding Dong! <laughs> uh, so many good bits in that film. I just I particularly <laughs> love the Russian guy, though. He's just hilarious. Ah, uh, yeah. Can't even remember his name, but very good. I don't know either. I just get distracted by his open shirt all the time. <laughs> and his beautiful George Michael hair. Yeah. <laughs> and his weird voice. Yeah. Anyway, Actually, so my turn. No, no, no. I'm not done. I'm not done. I just, oh, God damn it. I've, I've got more. I uh, I watched for the first time ever last night, as well as Eurovision, the uh, yeah. Rocky Horror <gasps> film. <laughs> Did you love it? Did you hate it? Tell me everything. I, you know, I kind of liked it. I had absolutely no idea what was going on half the time, but I... I I did enjoy it. It was just batshit insane. That's such a good movie. The songs are a classic. I love it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I obviously know Time Warp, but I didn't know the others. But yeah, it was uh, yeah. super weird. <laughs> well, congratulations, because I watched that when I was in grade four, and then I've loved it ever since then. <laughs> wow. I guess that explains a lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> you know. <laughs> But um, I'm not like a big musical person, by the way. So, I think the only musicals I really like are Rocky Horror... I think I really liked Across the Universe and now the Eurovision movie. Yeah. Otherwise, musicals aren't really my cup of tea. I hate musicals, but uh, I mean, yeah. I, I don't call Eurovision a musical. It's not really a full-on musical. It kind of is. Well, they, 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 they only sing when they're actually singing their songs, right? They don't burst into song just for no reason um, when other people would just have ordinary conversations. They did at that party. Oh, but that was funny. <laughs> yeah. That was just so stupid. There's different types of musicals. There's musicals, which is like bands playing songs and stuff. Yeah. And it's part of the story. Or there's musicals where the songs are progressing the story. So, stuff like Grease or whatever. Yeah. Grease, like Mamma Mia, that sort of bollocks. I just- Yeah. Grease is okay. I can can stand that. Yeah. But- uh, Grease is a classic. It is a bit of a classic, yeah. But I'm, I'm like you. There's not many musicals that I can stand. Eurovision was one of them. Rocky Horror is another- uh, that's that's prob- oh Enchanted. That's maybe my favorite Disney film. That one will do. That's pretty funny. Okay. Yeah. See, I don't like the singing in Enchanted, but um, <laughs> fair enough. That's all right. <laughs> or is it Enchanted? Enchanted. Enchanté. Wee wee threesomes. Whatever that thing is that French people say. Did you say threesomes? Yeah. Twasomes. <laughs> <laughs> Bonjour, come into bed with me, have a threesome, I am French. <laughs> That's what they all say to me. <laughs> That's what they say, man. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, what was uh, what were you going to talk about? Come in and have some of my baguette. <laughs> <laughs> and they suddenly sound Indian. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, shit, all right. <laughs> None of that's going to make the final cut. Nah. <laughs> um, yeah, so my week has been pretty busy because I've been playing uh, triple the amount of games that we normally play. Mm-hmm. We've got some bonus episodes coming up. I just recorded a bonus episode yesterday with Patrick or Pat from the Retro Blast podcast. So he is f- a friend of the show. Let's go and check out his podcast. And we've got an episode or a bonus episode of Metroid Prime coming up, which should probably be out a few days after this episode and um we've got another one coming up after that i won't tell you about that just in case it all falls through but basically i've been playing a fuckload of games lately and my hands are killing me they are so sore is that just from holding controllers and and 
games consoles in your hand. I think so. Just ripping them too much. I actually think the majority of the pain has come from playing Final Fantasy VIII because I've been playing it on the Switch uh-huh. undocked, like portably. Right. And the way your hand curls around it, it kind of like puts your hands into a claw motion. And I think that's just fucked my hands completely because I was playing like that for the last two weeks. And then I've also been doing really heavy weightlifting. So, yesterday I was supposed to do chest and back and I was too scared that I was going to drop the weights on myself or something. My hands were so sore. <laughs> so, I had to like go out and get arthritis gel. <laughs> wow. <for my> hands. <laughs> That's proper gaming right there. Yeah. I'm afraid that maybe it's not from over gaming. It's actual arthritis, but who knows? <laughs> so, <laughs> I'd cross my fingers and hope that it's not, but it hurts to do that. I hope not. I mean, you are you are still a bit young for arthritis, I think. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know, but I've been a long-term gamer since I was like four years old. Maybe I've just damaged my hands too much. I guess. I guess. Yeah. yeah. The long-term effects could now be showing. I know. And don't forget all those hand jobs I give out all the time. Well, that goes without saying. I wasn't, I wasn't going to bring it up, but that's probably the main yeah. reason. <laughs> <laughs> or every time I flip people the burb and I'm driving down, my, down the highway <laughs> in my car. <laughs> all these things are uh, making my hands less dexterous. It's all adding up to that nice bit of arthritis. Yeah, exactly. It's just grinding down all the cartilage in my fingers and now they're killing me. <laughs> but it's worth it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It is worth it because, uh, in the end, we got to play the game for this week. Yes, we did indeed. Which is? Well, talking of grinding. Uh, yes. <laughs> it's your main man, Final Fantasy VIII. I don't know what they say. It's fucking in Latin. <laughs> I, was, I was wondering what the hell you were saying there. Oh, I've got, a, I've, I've got a, uh, I've got a bit of trivia about that. Did you know that because they're saying "fithos lucet cavicose insect," no, something along these lines. <laughs> <laughs> the um, insect. It, it's not actually Latin. It's just uh, it's it's like the words "succession of witches" and "love" rearranged. Oh, so they're anagrams. Yeah, they're all just anagrams of that. It means nothing. Oh, that's fucking stupid. I know. <laughs> ah, that's, I'm so disappointed. I thought it was like Latin. Yeah, sadly not. It's got no meaning. Oh. It just sounds mysterious and cool. Uh, but yeah, oh, well. deep down it's meaningless. Like everything in life. <sighs> hmm, apparently. <laughs> um, all right. <laughs> so, Final Fantasy VIII is the role-playing video game developed and published by Square for the PlayStation console and released in 1999. And it's the 8th main installment of the Final Fantasy series. It was directed by Yoshinori Kitase, who is also famous for co-directing Final Fantasy VI, uh, directing Chrono Trigger, Final Fantasy VII, and Final Fantasy X, and he also produced X and the Thirteen series. Eight was also uh, written by... I'm going to butcher this. You got it. <clears throat> 
Kunne jeg sikkert sådan noget Nej. Ah, yes. Kazushige. Nojima. <laughs> ah, nice. Kunne du sige, hvad du var? I'm sorry, Kazushige Nojima, if you're listening. <laughs> Um, anyway, he's also famous for, uh, or better known for doing Final Fantasy VII, um, the more popular of the two, and its spin-offs. So, he did the Advent Children movie for Final Fantasy VII, and he also wrote Crisis Core for the PSP, uh, and apparently also did X and X2, as well as the Kingdom Hearts series. So, he's got a lot of them under his belt. That is a mixed range right there. Some shit, some good. <laughs> And tying into what you said earlier, he also wrote the original lyrics for Liberi Fatali, ah. the Final Fantasy VIII song, where they apparently don't speak Latin. <laughs> no, they don't. But let me tell you, it is one heck of an opener. Yeah. I love a heck of an opening. <laughs> <laughs> Musical opening. Musical opening. Yeah, that's that's ex- that's exactly what I meant. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... Uh, let, let's get all like the finer details out of the way first so we can let's do it. chat about um, what it was like playing the game. Yep. So, the setup of the game is uh, it's set in uh, it's kind of like a, a military school type of thing. It's like a it's like a paramilitary academy. Yeah, paramilitary academy called Balam Garden and the soldiers or children soldiers or whatever you want to call them are called seeds. So, garden and seeds. <laughs> See what's done there. So funny. And uh, <laughs> some of the seeds of this academy are our main character, Skull Leonhart. Squall. Yeah, and uh, he's also joined by Zeal, Sifa, uh, Quistas, and Selfier. Selfie. <laughs> Sorry, I had to, had to fuck all their names because... One of the things that's annoyed me this week about watching people's... Like, I've been watching a lot of videos on YouTube about Final Fantasy VIII and theories and stuff. And the way that people pronounce the names of these characters does not mesh with the way that I grew up pronouncing these names. Same. <laughs> One that kept on coming up was uh, Kistis. Yeah. I don't like that, man. I hate it. It's a Q and a U. It's Quistis. Yeah. Take the S out of her name and it spells quit. It's Quistis. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I say, say if you agree, Squall. Squall, yes. Squall, Christus, Zell, Selfie. Yep. Irvin. Yep. Or Irvine or Irvin? I say Irvine. Irvine, yeah. Uh, and Renoa. No, it's Renoa. 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 Nuts. Renoa. Renoa, mate. Renoa. But here's, all right, here is one that we could potentially disagree oh. on. Sorceress Edia. Okay, yeah, I say Edia. Yeah. Mm. I say Edia, you'll say Edia. That's fine. Close enough. But the ones that I've heard are Edia or Ugh. Edea. Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. <laughs> um, I kind of see her name as being like spelt like Eden, but with an A instead of an N. So I go Edia. Maybe it should just be like a good idea, but with an E. A good Edia. <laughs> All right. Nah. Well, what about what about Cipher or Cipher? Oh, Cipher. 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 Excellent. Yeah, I've heard Cipher on uh, the YouTube channel Final Fantasy Union. He goes Cipher, and I'm like, nah, nah, nah. It's Cipher, mate. <laughs> yeah, it's Cipher. Cool. Yeah, even the Japanese spelling of his name is S A I F. 
that, that just clarifies it more that it's Cypher. Yeah, exactly. Excellent. We're right. All right, cool. <laughs> so, all of these characters, by the way, <laughs> most of them are seeds in the Academy. So, basically, the, the plot of the story is you're playing a Squall. He is not yet a seed. In the very opening of the game, he is going through the seed exam, like a bunch of tests and stuff to, for him to graduate to become a seed, which is basically uh, the Garden's version of mercenaries who are sent out into this world to complete tasks for, you know, people that live out there and bring in some money for the Garden. I don't know if it's talked about in the early game, but the Gardens basically exist to fight the Sorceress. So, in the world of Final Fantasy VIII, and this is probably my, my favorite concept of the whole world of, of this game, is that there's always one sorceress, and each time the sorceress is defeated, she will pass her powers along to a girl who is a capable receptacle for the powers. Like, they have to have some sort of ability about them, which allows them to become a sorceress. So, um, that's the only way the power is passed on, is if the previous sorceress dies, which reminded me a lot of... Um, like American Horror Story, how there's all these witches, but there's only one Supreme kind of thing um, for people who have seen that show. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of implied in the game throughout a few little occasions that the sorceress power originated from like the god of the world, uh, the great Heine. Yes. Heine. Heine. The great Heine. <laughs> I wish there was more lore in game about the, the, the history of it. It would be so cool. But what what is there is quite good. Yeah, it's um, so basically, in a nutshell, Hein was the god of the world and he created humans and all this sort of stuff and he had his godly powers. And then I believe at some point a war broke out between the humans and Hein and they managed to defeat him. So, as a, as a way of keeping the peace, he gave them half of his body, which was, quote unquote, the weaker half or whatever, which basically just meant that uh, he bestowed upon humanity the ability for people to become sorceresses. Oh, and I think from that, they, they also learned magic in the world. Yeah. And that's another defining feature of Final Fantasy VIII, as opposed to all of the other Final Fantasies, is the unique way that they do magic in this game. Yeah, that's that. That's a bit of a complex talking point. Uh, but essentially, there's yeah. no MP in this game, which is probably the main difference. So instead of using MP to do magic, you actually have to use the draw system to to draw magic out of monsters or draw points, and you just store the magic like an item in an inventory. Uh, you ha- you can have up to a hundred of each magic and just use them as and when you want. Really, yeah, they're kind of more like items now. So yeah. if you want to cast a fire spell you use up permanently one fire spell um, out of a maximum of 100. And so, if you don't replenish them you, and you use fire 100 times, you run out of fire. Yeah. So, you need to go and get some more fire. Yeah, there's a lot of kind of uh, experimental uh, mechanics and stuff in this game compared to several other Final Fantasies, which is probably why yeah. it's kind of divisive in many aspects. <laughs> yes, it is very, <laughs> very divisive. Um, probably the most divisive Final Fantasy to date. Yeah. And thankfully, uh, they haven't really repeated many of the experimental things that they've done in this game <laughs> in games afterwards. So, that's fine with me. Yeah, I mean, I don't uh, I don't dislike the, fun- the mechanics in this game. They are just a bit odd. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, I, you know what? Before we go into mechanics, we need to talk about our history with the game. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, you go first because... Um, I promised a couple of episodes ago that I had a Christmas story about Final Fantasy VIII, so I'll tell okay. you that after you. <laughs> All right, yeah. Well, Final Fantasy VIII, 
I can't remember if eight or nine was my first, but I think I remember my brother playing Final Fantasy when I was uh, when when it originally came out. I was pretty young, um, and then I played it and just originally loved it, but always struggled to finish it. Not not through lack of wanting to, but more like not fully understanding the systems of the game. So throughout throughout my years, I have played it several times, but I probably only finished it maybe once or twice. Right. Like one time I got so close, but I had kind of fucked up my leveling and stuff and just couldn't get past. And I think the only way I managed to finish it was to just like download a save uh, that had oh. <laughs> all the magics and stuff and kind of just cheat my way to the end. Yeah. Uh, hey, it worked, but whatever. Yeah. And so I think because I've had like experience of it when I was young, I have... I'm viewing everything in this game through big nostalgia goggles. Yeah. I'm trying to be kind of subjective about it. (laughs) Yeah, it's an interesting point, though, that you weren't able to finish it back then. I had this little game guide that came with um, Play Magazine or something. And it's real bad. I've still got it. I I found it the (laughs) other day. And it's just it's just really bad. Like there are things in in the game in the guide that are wrong. Uh, and yeah, lots of spelling mistakes too. But it's just really not helpful. But I also had the yeah. uh, the piggyback guide somewhere, which kind of made things a lot more bearable. The what piggyback guide? Yeah, you know the the well piggyback. I think are the ones who publish this uh, Final Fantasy guides. Well, they they used to. Oh, okay. Um, my first Final Fantasy, I think, was actually Final Fantasy four for snes um, and i played it via uh, emulation mm-hmm. and um my first bought final fantasy was final fantasy 9 and 7 i got them both at the same time and because i got 9 first and it looked so much better than 7 that's the one that i played through first c- to completion yeah and consequently that is my all-time favorite because it's technically my first well i suppose i finished four first so i have a, a very soft spot in my heart for Final Fantasy 4 but 9 is my favorite and so one Christmas I asked my mum for Final Fantasy 8 and I knew she had gotten it for me and um, what I did was uh, so she had like put all the presents out under the tree and stuff like that and then one day when she was out shopping or I don't know she was out of the house doing something I went in and I peeled the sticky tape very carefully (laughs) off from the wrapping (laughs) and I opened Final Fantasy 8 and then I very carefully took out the disc and then I put it, put the case back in and rewrapped it. So, I was playing Final Fantasy VIII for about two weeks before Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> and it was still sitting under the tree. That's terrible. <laughs> uh, but f- so clever. <laughs> yeah, it's quite impressive, really. Yeah. So, I remember liking it, but not really fully being grabbed by it. Yeah. And I, I mentioned this ages ago. I don't remember what episode, but a few episodes back, I said that uh, I had tried to play it and I got to disc three and I soft locked myself. So, um, for those who haven't listened to the previous episodes, I basically unlocked the chocobos, jumped on a chocobo, ran across some shallow water onto another island. I got off the chocobo and the chocobo ran away. I couldn't get off the island and then I saved my game. So, I was stuck on this island and my previous save was like 10 hours beforehand i just rage quit i'm like i'm not doing this yeah that's bullshit yeah it sucks that you could even do that oh i know it's so stupid but that's i guess games back in those days so yeah yeah
other most unique things about this game, um, which sets it apart from all the others, is the leveling up slash ability junctioning system. Yeah, I kind of don't want to talk about this for too much because it is kind of dull. Okay. Um, but, do you want me to do it? <laughs> well, I mean, if we can just like be brief and say like you can you can junction your magic to your stats, so you can like uh, junction a fire spell to your attack, and then if it's like high enough, you could then be dealing fire damage to an enemy. And if you're dealing with a an ice enemy or something, you'll deal more damage because it's like the opposite. Uh, same with defense and status defense. You can like put confuse on your status defense and then you might be like a bit immune to confuse it's it's really good i really like that and it works in tandem with the gfs the guardian forces which um can unlock the abilities and the abilities to junction certain things on you so they kind of work in place of typical armor because uh compared to other final fantasies this game does not really have a great deal of weapons and armor. In fact, I don't think there is any armor at all, and there's only a few weapons. So it kind of takes all that away and functions mostly on the junctioning and the guardian forces. Yeah, and so guardian forces are this game's version of summons or whatever you want to call them. Yeah. And uh, the, the really interesting thing about the junctioning system is that as a kid, you don't really fully understand it. There is an option to just auto-junction things to either give you the best attack, magic, or defense, or whatever. But if you go into the finer details of it, you can really outspec your characters in ways that make them really strong. But it's dependent on what kind of magic you have and how many of that magic you have, which will determine how strong your stats are boosted. And the thing that uh, sort of surprised me as an adult coming back to it is, A, I understand it a lot better than I did back then, and B, you can completely break the game (laughs) (laughs) by following certain guides now to have a way stronger party than you technically should have. And that's basically what I did. I broke the game. (laughs) Yeah, and you can also break the game by using the uh, the cards which I guess we could talk about as well at some point oh, yeah but the the problem with the junction system is that because it relies on magic and you have a certain number of magic it means that if you use the magic you could be effectively we- weakening yourself so that kind of makes people hesitate to actually use magic in the game uh, which is yeah a bit of a downside yeah it's um that is one of the criticisms I have is I really liked using magic in previous Final Fantasy games, but in this one, I didn't use it at all, like, whatsoever. Oh, should also clarify, we're talking about the remastered version specifically in this episode, Yeah, but not much has changed between the games other than some graphical stuff that we'll talk about shortly and uh, a few cheat options that are available. Mm -hmm. Did you use any of the cheats this time around? Of course I did, yeah. I (laughs) I thought to myself... I would try to play it legit as far as as far as I could. Like yep. the three options you've got are times three speed, ink none, and uh, like endless limit breaks and full health. I guess you could say, or like um, you don't take damage. Uh, yeah. And the one I used the most was obviously the times three one, which was so handy and made drawing magic so much easier. <laughs> like you could yeah. you could easily just stay in one fight, draw a hundred magics from one enemy. And then just run away uh, or kill it or whatever. And um, it just made it so much easier because that would have taken hours yeah. on the original one. 
it cuts down the grinding so much. And um, I use most of the cheats. And the reason why is um, because in Final Fantasy VIII, as opposed to all other Final Fantasies, this is the other redefining factor, is that enemies scale to your level. So, there's basically no reason for you to level grind anymore. Yeah. Which I hated. <laughs> i got to admit. You hated the fact that they scale? Yeah, because yeah. it, it takes away... So, part of the joy of RPGs for me is grinding your characters out to a level far above your enemies. And when you take away that option so if you just wind up getting to level 99 and and normally in most other rpgs you'd be super powerful and you could take on anyone and and you have a sense of of strength about you but in this if all the other enemies are now suddenly level 99 and all the bosses are level 99 as well you've basically been grinding for nothing and um that disappoints me (laughs) i know what you mean i love the sense of being overpowered and yeah. to be fair, every other time I've played this game, I've almost always got everyone up to level 99. And that's partly because I just didn't care about the junction system. Yeah. Partly because I didn't realize the enemies scaled. Like, I don't remember if there's a point in the game where you find that out. No, they don't tell you. They don't tell you that. So if you are just like um, a happy little child playing the game without any knowledge of it, you could easily just think, well, I better get to level 99 so I can be max power. Yeah. Um, and to be fair, like you, you will one-hit kill a lot of things when you're level 99, but also some of the monsters, like the Amiga weapon, goes from like 100,000 hit points to a million or something, and it's suddenly a really ridiculous job. Yeah, it ends up making the game harder for yourself, and I think that must be one of the reasons why so many people as kids didn't fully complete the game, I think, because there is this sort of point where you get to when you're powerful enough or you're a higher level enough that it, you kind of just sort of shoot yourself in the foot yeah so one of the strategies that's come out out from that and from people who are experienced with it now and have since gone onto the internet and been like hey this is the deal this is how it works is uh you just don't fight enemies and you don't level up and that way you can draw the most powerful magic or you can use guardian force abilities to basically refine the strongest magic you can from items and cards and and stuff like that and then wind up getting a super strong party and then stay a really low level. So, even though you're, you're a low level, then all the other enemies are also a really low level, but you're dishing out damage as if you're like level 50 or something like that. So, um, that's basically the way that you break the game for Final Fantasy VIII. And I grinded for a good probably eight to ten hours to get to that point. And I got to say, it was pretty satisfying at the time to do that. <laughs> so, by the time you finished the game, what sort of levels were your characters? Uh, my strongest character was Squall, who was level 19. Damn, okay, yeah. My, my <laughs> issue was that I started out intending to play as I always did. Like, I wasn't yeah. going to abuse the junction. I wasn't going to break the game. And I thought, well, wait a minute. I've got the times three speed and Enknan and whatnot. And I can just, you know, I'll try it out, see what happens. But... The big mistake I made was going early to get Odin. And he is like a guardian force that you can't control. He just appears by luck. And he'll kill (laughs) the enemies you encounter. And the thing is, I would be attacking enemies. And instead of killing them, I would be using card to turn them into a card. Which means you don't get any XP, but your, your guardian forces do. When Odin comes along, he kills them and you get XP and you level up and it's very annoying. <laughs> um, yeah, for the most part, you would think that bosses would give you XP as well. But in, in Final Fantasy VIII, 
I don't know why the they made this decision, but main fights and and fights that you can't avoid because of story reasons don't give you XP, so you don't level up from those anyway. Yeah. So that's the reason why my characters were such a weak level, and the cheats that you have on, in the remastered version encounter none. I had that on for the majority of the game. I hit a point where I'd sort of had enough, basically. Yeah. <laughs> like, I didn't want to waste any more time grinding. I completely gave up on all the side content. I had already spent eight to ten hours grinding in the card game, which we'll talk about soon. And I just wanted to see the story. So, I used all of the cheats. I used no enemy encounters. I used... Uh, what's it? Uh, three times speed, which is a godsend for certain cutscenes. So good. Yeah, and I also used uh, the, the basically the it was like the god cheat. God mode. Yeah. Yeah. Every time an enemy deals damage to you, it is automatically healed. Yeah. And you have the ability to use your limit break um, whenever that cheat is turned on. So I basically just used my limit break on everything and and killed all the bosses and even killed the final bosses using the cheats because I just. I didn't want the challenge anymore. I just wanted to get through the game because I felt like if I would try to play this the same way that I would have played it as a kid, I was going to get really frustrated and end up giving up again. Yeah, that's fair enough. And I definitely used all of them for quite a lot too. Uh, I'm not going to be wandering around the planes constantly getting random battles. That's annoying, Um, especially when you do like all the side quests and stuff. I ain't got time for that. Yeah, I didn't take on any of the, the bonus bosses or anything like that the the majority of the side content that i completed was just collecting all of the guardian force summons yeah and that was that i was like i don't really need to find out anymore about the side stuff i just want to find out what happens to the main story and call it a day (laughs) take this (laughs) one off my list fair enough this is one of those games where i just need to do everything yeah i i didn't feel like doing it in this one Um, well i'm not sure why the side quests aren't exactly that compelling but i kind of like doing them yeah i mean games like Final Fantasy Nine, I would do side quest stuff. Yeah. But not eight for some reason. I don't mm. know. Oh. Cool. All right. So is it your favorite Final Fantasy ever? Is it my favorite? Ooh. Um it's definitely up there. I think I said before it's like kind of joint between nine and nine and eight. Yeah. Uh and I think uh in general, mechanically speaking, I think nine is the better game. Yeah. I think I have a lot more nostalgia for 8. I think I like the characters and the world. And even though the story is batshit insane, I think I like the story a little bit more. So, Uh yeah. That's really interesting. I think 8 might kind of take the number one spot, but that could differ depending on which game I've played more recently. (laughs) Yeah, that's interesting because I I think that 9 is superior in every single way. Oh, they they're, they're both so good. It's it just it hurts me to even try to state which one's better uh, for me because they are both so good. I love both of them. Um, I'm really torn with eight, to be honest. I'm really torn. <laughs> it's so easy to be torn. Yeah, it, it it is such a divisive game, and there are things about it that rub me the wrong way. And it's not necessarily mechanics. It's the story kind of bothers me. <laughs> <laughs> There's a whole lot of really convenient things that can just seem too ridiculous yeah let's have a deeper dive into the story a little bit later yeah but my my general consensus on eight as a whole is i think it has a lot of really great moments and i i wonder if i would have liked it more as a kid but i still think that even as a kid if i managed to get through that soft lock situation i don't think it would have been one of my favorites Mm. yeah but i i probably would have had a softer spot for it 
um, if I managed to beat it when I was younger. I think for me, it's like the things that make it stand out are that there's just a, a huge sense of mystery to it for some reason. It's hard to explain, but like the it's some of the places that you don't have to go that I love the best, like Central Ruins and the uh, the deep sea research facility. Those places are just so cool. Yeah, and I also I love the kind of superstructures and architecture of the world. They're just mm. it's it's so weird, but I kind of love it. It's like space age, but not. And the towns and the people, the designs, they all like slightly realistic, slightly not. It's kind of futuristic. Uh, even the space bits, they're just fantastic. Not to mention the CG cutscenes are like even today. I still kind of. I'm looking at them in awe, even though <laughs> graphics have surpassed them now. It's just, it's so gorgeous. I love it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't like the art style. Okay. And I, I'm not really sure why. When you say the art style, what is that in reference to? Uh, kind of like the realistic style characters and um, everything sort of feels like it's supposed to be more realistic than you know seven and nine and but it feels like it's caught in this weird little in-between stage where it's not quite there and i don't know if that has anything to do with the technology or the their inability to sort of pull that off back in those days but even with the remaster and the new character models which i i really do like the new character models yeah just something about like the design of the world i don't know there's this weird disconnect with me it's hard to explain because i want to like it but i don't but at the same time, it kind of reminds me of Final Fantasy XIII. I've, like, I've heard people say that. I've heard people yeah. say that. Yeah, <laughs> that uh, kind of kind of uh, offends me deeply. <laughs> <laughs> I think it has. It's the sci-fi thing. I think it's very Maybe. Final Fantasy XIII-ish. I think Final Fantasy XIII takes the character designs in more of the uh, the wacky Tetsuya Nomura side of things than Eight does for sure. But yeah, I don't know. I think. Maybe part of the reason why is because I'd sort of have like this reaction to military school style stories. Yeah. Like um, uh, Final Fantasy Type Zero has the same sort of thing where it's like a school of military mm-hmm. kids yeah. fighting and stuff. Or Valkyria Chronicles, I have like a slight disconnect with that as well because it's like this military school thing. And I'm like, oh, it's not really my jam. Yeah. But there are concepts in the story that I absolutely love. Uh but we'll get onto that a little bit later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's it's, it's totally fair. Yeah. So let's let's speak specifically about the remastered version now because there are a couple okay. of gripes that I have with this. Well, it's just for me, it's not exactly much of a remaster. It just seems like they've really done as little as possible. Yeah. And aside from the actual the, the cheats that you can use, the main differences seem to be just the character models have been upgraded graphically. I think the cutscenes yeah. have kind of been smoothed out a little bit in some ways, but everything else looks largely the same. And some I things think it actually looks worse. Some things look worse for some reason. Uh, some of the NPCs or something will be in a shittier texture than they were in the original. Yeah, like they're just made out of a couple pixels, and then they've just been like shat on. It's really weird. And um, the pre-rendered backgrounds as well are really, really blurry. I had trouble sometimes yeah. finding where I was supposed to go because it was so hard to make out what was a doorway and what wasn't. And um, I think the reason for that was there, there's interviews out there with the developers and stuff that says that basically Square doesn't 
like they don't back up their data or anything from prior games. So they had to rip the backgrounds from the PlayStation One game data, like from a just a regular right. disc, and then sort of not necessarily remake it, but then use those assets for now high def stuff and it wasn't you know working out the way that they wanted to so they put like some sort of smooth filter over Mm. all of it and you lose a lot of the really nice details that um were available in the playstation one version so i think the ps1 pre-rendered backgrounds will look miles above what's available on the remastered version yeah yeah it's it's especially noticeable after you come out of a cutscene as well uh because sometimes it kind of the cutscene will fade in to the area that where you, your character characters are, and you'll see the where the cutscene ends and the the rendered pre-rendered background uh, comes back in, and you just see a massive yep. kind of cut where it goes from clear in the cutscene to blurry in the actual game, and it's uh, yeah, it's a bit stupid. Like, why couldn't they have just done it better? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I have heard that there are mods available for the PC version if anyone is mod savvy which i definitely am not but <laughs> you can get mods which use a i think it's called an ai image upscaler or something yeah so it will upscale all the pre-rendered backgrounds to be what they were supposed to be but even better and i saw some video comparisons on youtube and it looked amazing and i just kind of wish that they like square would fucking rip off the mod and just use that in the in the just final swallow product. their pride and recruit these modders to do the yeah. job for them they can do it better actually i actually think in the past they have taken mods before without permission and used <laughs> those in final games yeah, <laughs> yeah. but that's the, those are the graphics the sound is basically the same as far as i'm aware and the music is good i love the music yeah yeah it's it's definitely up there one of my favorites it was very nostalgic playing with headphones in when i first booted this up i'm like oh my god these these tracks i remember specifically playing these as a kid and it's taking me back there so it hit a nostalgia factor that was really good in the beginning yeah i love the, the soundtrack so much it's just i'd happily just listen to the soundtrack anytime it's so good yeah i would say it's it's in my top 10 favorite <laughs> oh yeah for sure Final Fantasy. yeah <laughs> i mean <laughs> top 15 <laughs> it's my favorite it's in my favorite my top 15 Favorite Final Fantasy soundtracks <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> I don't know if it will be right near the top. It's in the middle somewhere. But, I mean, it's Nobuo Uematsu. So, he's a genius. And he, he, is he a does genius, great work. Man. He is such, such a varied man. He can just do every style. So cool. I, I want to, like, just crack open his skull and lick his brain. Yeah, man. Oh, what a yeah. guy. What a guy. I want to wrap my lips around his frontal cortex and just... <laughs> <laughs> suck out all that talent <laughs> oh but that hippocampus <laughs> oh. but some of the some of the tracks from Final Fantasy 8 have been done by the uh, by the Black Mages not sure if you're familiar with those like Nabuo Uematsu's kind of prog rock band oh yeah no I have heard some of, of those are just so cool yeah he did like <laughs> uh, I think he did Man of the Machine Gun and uh, Maybe I'm a Lion Maybe force your way as well. But yeah, they're, they're so cool. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Maybe I'm a lion.
one track that started getting on my nerves though was the track that plays during the card game Triple Triad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what happens. I think it's always going to get repetitive when you're doing something yeah. so often. I don't know. If I hadn't spent 10 hours grinding out cards, then I probably wouldn't have had such an aversion to it in the end. But I did have to mute it eventually. So, <laughs> speaking of cards, why don't you give us a rundown of what Triple Triad is like? Ooh, well, it's what maybe one of the best little mini card games in any game ever. Um mm. uh, I'd say uh, it, it's a very simple game, but there's tons of rules which can get added, which can increase the difficulty of it. Yeah, it gets so complicated. Yeah, it can. Essentially, it's like each player draws five cards and there's a board with nine places and one person has got red cards, the other person's got blue cards, and they've all got four numbers on them representing each side. And if a higher number on one on the left side goes against a card on the right side that has a, a higher number, then the one of the higher number will win and will flip and change to the colour of the higher. And the the winner is the one who has the most of his or her colour at the end of the game. Yeah. And um, there are various rules by region that um, come into effect depending on... Well, uh, when you're walking around the world as Squall, you can just press square on basically anybody and if they're somebody who was able to be card jeweled like you it's duel i challenge you to Um, a duel slap you with a card (laughs) (laughs) if they're a player they will uh be like oh you want to play cards and then you just say yes and then off you go play a game so depending on which country you're in as squall there are different regional rules as well which can overcome well not overcomplicate, but just complicate the game and it also determines if you win how many cards from the other person you're able to to take as a win so um, there's a trick you can do where you can set the region rule as all. So if you beat the other player, you take all of their cards. And then this is basically how I broke the game is I went around dueling people for a good 10 hours, collecting all the best available cards that I could. And your GFs are able to learn an ability which will turn cards into magic. So if you have really good cards that turn into a really strong spell, you can just convert those into a like a blizzaga or like a high level magic spell and junction those to your stats and then all of a sudden you've got a super powered low level party character yep and yeah the that's whole, what i did all of the refining of cards and items is something that i didn't really appreciate before but now i love it i think it's just the coolest thing i didn't even know that it existed like when i played as a kid i thought that the best abilities to get for your gf were um, ones that would allow you to junction to certain skills, uh, sorry, certain stats, and just basically the strength of their power when you use them in battle as a summon, which yeah. uh, in this game, I actually never used them as a summon. I only used one, and the reason why was because I wanted to see if her hairy yellow muff was still there. And it's about wasn't. Siren. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they covered still up my there, girl's man. muff. <laughs> no, it's, still there. it's gone. What? They censored it. <laughs> Did really? Yeah. Man, I thought it I thought it was still there. I guess I haven't looked too closely at her muff lately. <laughs> God damn. Siren's hairy muff has been replaced with a skirt of feathers. Huh. Yeah. Well I know. Way Disappointed. To, way to ruin our fun. I know. <laughs> Even though I didn't notice it. <laughs> I remember thinking when I when I played this as a kid, I remember looking at her big hairy yellow muff and being like, Oh, I shouldn't be allowed to look at this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is filth. I'm too it's young like, for oh. this. 
Why is it yellow? <laughs> <laughs> Before we get into into the depth of the characters, um, I want to ask you: uh, the cast of Final Fantasy VIII main party, yep. fuck Mary Kill, <laughs> <laughs> fuck Mary Kill. But there's more than three. Yeah, no, no, girls for you. You you pick the girls girl. for me. Okay, fuck Mary Kill. Hey shit, that's a tough one. That's a, that's, oh man, that's a real tough one. You go first. I'm gonna think on it. Ah shit. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> hadn't thought of this either. Uh, okay, I would kill Irvine. Because I don't like him very much. I'd, I'd also <laughs> kill him, just for note. Yeah. Well, you don't get to do the boys. You have to do the girls. Well, I've killed him. All right. I kill him as well. All right. You can't kill him in yours, turn. You have to kill one of the girls. <laughs> um, I would fuck Zell, but I would make him wear a paper bag because of his really badly aged tribal face tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> what are you saying? He was ahead of the time. He was ahead of the time by, like, a good five years, and then uh, now he has to spend the rest of his life with a very terrible, terrible tattoo on his face. Like, it is awful. Mike Tyson? It is awful. <laughs> First of all, tribal isn't even a thing anymore. Tattoo artists uh, will generally tell you, no, we don't do tribal. <laughs> this guy's stuck with it on his face. So, yeah, maybe I should kill him. Nah. <laughs> no, nah, man, Irvine's worse. Yeah, he is. He's a, he's a, I don't know. He's got long hair. I don't like long hair. <laughs> and he wears a hat. I don't like hats. <laughs> and also, Zell seems like he would have a lot of energy in the bedroom. So, we'll go with <laughs> yeah. him. Um, it's good with his fists. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, I can't believe you went there. <laughs> Wait. My sphincter just clenched thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I'd fuck Zell. And I would marry Squall because I can relate to Squall. And we'll talk about that a bit more in depth later. Oh, um, yes, yes, yes. A lot of people hate Squall, but I actually like him and I want to defend him soon. I also like him. So, yeah. yeah. Go ahead and fuck, marry, kill your ladies. Okay. Well, this is a tough one. All right. But I think the, the clear one to kill for me is Selfie. Oh! <gasps> Oh, I, I guess I guess uh, I don't really care about her at all. She's kind of fun, I guess. But uh, nah, nah, not not for me. Plus, you don't really know much about her. I feel like she's not developed as as well as she could be. Uh, but no, not too keen. She's dead. All right, that's a good point. As for as for Quistis and Renoa, mm -hmm. that's a tough one. That's a real tough one. I think I would. I think I'd probably uh, fuck Renoa and marry Quistis. Oh yeah. It, yeah. I'd agree with that. Yeah. It's a tough one, but, you know, Quistus has got that whip. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> I, I mean, it's a real tough one. I like Renault a lot, but a woman who fires off a dog as a cannon has got problems, so can't marry, can't be married. <laughs> <laughs> I would probably kill Renault, to be honest, but... Right. Fine. So you you got to say that you would kill Irvine and mine. I say I would kill Renoa and yours, but otherwise I okay. agree with the rest of you. To be honest, I, I would I would have done the same with your characters. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Good. Uh, 
All right. So speaking about the characters a bit more in depth, you mentioned earlier that you really like the cast and you and, and all the characters and blah 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 blah, uh-huh. and you think that they're really strong and yada yada yada. I actually disagree with you. I think when there did are some I say- really. I don't remember saying that. <laughs> you did say that. You said you love the characters in Final Fantasy VIII. You think the characters are better than the ones in Nine. Wait, when did I say this? Earlier. <laughs> you mean in this podcast? Yes. I don't think I said that. Reroll the tape, Maury. In general, mechanically speaking, I think Nine is the better game. I think I have a lot more nostalgia for Eight. Uh, I think I like the characters in the world. And even though the story is batshit insane, I think I like the story a little bit more. You did say that. I mean, that. I don't agree with my previous self then. Okay, well then you might want to go on the record and change your change your opinion now. <laughs> <'Cause>... I, ju- <laughs> I just have. Okay, good. Because <laughs> I actually think that these are some of the weakest characters and that's part of the reason why I have such a hard time getting into the story of this game is because maybe besides Squall, the only other character I kind of like is Quistus. Yeah. And I did used to really like Selfie as, as a kid, but that was because my best friend at the time, um, Selfie was her absolutely favorite character. So, okay. it was kind of like a, a bonding thing to like Selfie. Yep. Yeah, but now that I played it uh, as an adult, I've realized that there's basically like nothing to Selfie's character. You, you don't know anything about her other than she's, oh, happy-go-lucky, woo! And um, <laughs> this, it's also kind of the same with Zell. Zell doesn't have much substance to him either, and it's neither does Irvine. It's the same a whole lot of them. I have the yeah. same issue with this. It seems yeah. like they've only really developed Squall and Renoa a bit. Quistis has her little thing in Disc 1 early on. Yeah. And Zell, Irvine, and Selfie all have their tiny little bits, but it's it's like they devote just a very small section of the game to them. And for the rest of it, they're there. They have their like uh, their ways of speaking, which identifies yeah. them as the, the like the playful character or whatever, or the feisty one. And yeah, other than that, you don't really learn much about them. They don't develop at all. And that's yeah. it's, it's something I didn't notice originally playing, uh, but but this time I definitely did. Like, why do I care about these people? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, this goes into like a broader thing, a broader issue I have with eight. Which is, I have to, like, subconsciously, well, not even subconsciously, I just compare it to nine because I'm going off the pedigree of what my favorite is and then I can't help but draw comparisons. And the thing I loved about nine so much is it actually feels like you're going on a journey and every time the plot progresses, there's character development. And then you look at eight and it spends the first two discs kind of meandering about doing a couple of missions and it's kind of meaningless at the time and there's hints at something bigger in the world going on, but it's nothing really important. And um, the characters don't grow. Yeah. So, that's the thing that bothers me is because I would play Final Fantasy IX and be excited to go to the next city or the next dungeon because there's going to be some sort of character development between the characters or interaction between them, which will progress them and then they grow as people. Whereas... In eight, Selfie, Zell, Irvine, actually Renoa as well. I'm going to chuck her in here as well. Yeah. And actually all of them, I'm going to give Quistus a free pass and scroll. <laughs> but those five, they are the exact same people they are at the end that they were at the beginning, I feel. Yeah, I don't disagree. Yeah. And, and that's the thing that really bothers me because I play these games for story and character and I didn't get that. And um, kind of disappointed. Yeah. Not as disappointed as Final Fantasy XII, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Just chucking that out there. 
Uh, you know what Final Fantasy XII needed? Characters. More tribal tattoos. <laughs> Someone with a really sturdy fist. <laughs> <laughs> and a gun blade. Yeah. Uh, okay, the gun blade <laughs> thing. <laughs> okay, let's get into Squall now. Because <laughs> um, he gets the short end of the stick. Because I think at the time... His character design was overpowering to who he actually was as a person because he yeah. looks so emo and he, he's so <laughs> sort of like clearly designed to be that cool, moody, emo teenage character. And that was off-putting for a lot of people. Yeah. Do you feel the same way? Oh, yeah, for sure. But I, I like instantly liked him. Instantly? <laughs> yeah, more or less. He was a slow- uh, He grew on me like a rash. um okay so i like squall and i think a lot of people have this image of him as being like moody and emo and a bit of an edgelord and and that sort of thing because um partially i think it's because of the translation how he would just sort of be dismissive and distant and people will say stuff and he'll just be like oh whatever and they kind of yeah interpret it that way but i actually really like him and his internal thoughts because um He's kind of a prick, but <laughs> you learn why. And I think everybody who played this before doesn't really pick up on the reasons why he behaves the way he is. Yeah. He he has these deep-seated feelings of, like, inadequacy and abandonment. So, he intentionally distances himself from other people. Because as a kid, he got left in an orphanage and was separated from his surrogate sister. So, I mean- that's something that's going to fuck with you for life. And I kind of feel like... So, spoiler alert, uh, all of the main cast, except for Renoa, all grew up in this orphanage and just sort of forgot about it. But Squall seems to be the only one that has, has like, a lasting effect because of his childhood. Everybody else just kind of doesn't care or it doesn't have any impact yeah. on them whatsoever. So, yeah, like, it's his, like, exterior hides someone that's really really vulnerable and fragile and he was forced to grow up as basically a child soldier and he hasn't overcome his past trauma so he's got issues and yeah i can see your issues and i feel bad for you and i understand you're behaving the way that you're behaving and i agree with you <laughs> you know yeah that's the thing he never like maybe occasionally he comes off as a bit of a dick but i think the fact that they've incorporated his thoughts that is just like such a nice addition yeah. to get an insight into what is going on in his head and why he's doing what he's doing. Yeah, I, I connected with him a lot more than I ever did with Cloud in Final Fantasy VII. He had the same sort of like emo thing because uh, I think they're both sort of products of their time. Yeah. I actually think that Cloud is even more of an edgy emo 90s teen than Squall yeah. is. And um, I think the only reason why people like him so much is because he won over the fans by being in the more popular game. And then because Squall had a similar design, uh, people who played Final Fantasy VII sort of dismissed him as either a Cloud ripoff or they compared him to Cloud and um, did it unfavorably because they're so, like, such big fans of Cloud. Um, And that's really disappointing to me. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. I uh, I don't really care for Cloud much. But I don't yeah, really care for either. Final Fantasy VII much. So, yeah. Well, yeah, me too. Do you have anything to add about that? <laughs> do you just want me to keep going? Um, I, I do 
enjoy the development of cloud. I think it was done pretty well. Although Swell. there were times where uh, you, you just said cloud. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there are times in the development of Squall where <laughs> uh, it seems like his kind of thoughts or or just uh, decisions sort of change rather quickly. Uh, yeah. This is like, I guess, halfway through the game when you're needing to kind of take Renoa over to be saved when she's like in a coma or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I really like the bit when he's walking across the train track to Esther and kind of talking to himself. It's like really cool, but all of a sudden these kind of thoughts for Renoa, the feelings for Renoa just seem very quick. Um, yeah. And almost a little bit just like forced and kind of like they needed a bit more development before they could get to that stage. Uh, and then, like later on, when he he rescues Renoa in space, and he goes all the way, kind of risks his life to save her, and then he gets in the spaceship, and he's just like, "I don't know, I won't hug you." It's <laughs> like there's that stubbornness, which I don't know, maybe that sh- should have settled down a little bit by that point. Yeah, I mean, I can kind of understand. Like, we've got to remember that they're teenagers, and True. I was actually thinking about this earlier today because I was watching um, a YouTube video of. Uh, some guy that was just basically reviewing uh, a Christmas movie and it had this teenage girl in it. Yeah. And I was kind of thinking, because it's got this plot point where the girl really wants to go and hang out with the guy. And I was thinking to myself, what is with like these teenage girl characters obsessively wanting to hang out with cute boys? <laughs> but think about it. What do they hope to accomplish by doing that? Do they want to just spend time together? Do they want to kiss on the lips or do they want to fuck? Because (laughs) I wouldn't go through all that effort for someone unless I was specifically like thinking that either you're going to be my steady and we can fuck or you're going to be a booty call and we can fuck. (laughs) Yeah. So, that mindset was, it was foreign to me. And I think that sort of thing is kind of present in here as far as uh, the development of Renault's feelings for Squall. And potentially, like, Squall's feelings as well in the sense that um, teenagers just are kind of hormonal and, I don't know, think with their dicks. (laughs) (laughs) I guess that could be part of it. But then when it gets to the point that Renault is, like, hugging him and stuff, he just is like, well, I don't know where to go from here. Do I finger banger? (laughs) (laughs) What do I do? (laughs) I mean, in that spaceship, she was practically sat on his dick, so. I don't know. He had the option. Slipped his arm up her uh, bike shorts and. Yeah. Um. Strum the bass. <laughs> Flick the bean. Yep. Keep the piano. Grind the coffee beans. <laughs> Turn the Allen key. These are teenagers, man. Sharpen the pencil. <laughs> Sharpen the gun blade. <laughs> By the way, I didn't like Renoa very much if I haven't made it clear yet. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, there's the deal with Renoa being uh, Cy- uh, Cypher's ex. Yeah, apparently. Um, so, yeah, for people who haven't played, Cypher is sort of like the foil to Squall. Yeah. Um, he is the rival Gunblade user who turns evil, quote unquote. Yeah. And he also grew up in the orphanage with the rest of them. Yeah. And. Um, 
Renoa polished his gun blade before she did squalls, so yeah. they were a thing. She's she's got a type. Yeah, <laughs> gun blade uses the the, mo- the moody damaged boys. <laughs> <laughs> you can't stab me deep and shoot. You're not my kind of guy. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so that's not the reason why I dislike her. By the way, the reason why I don't like her is um because you have to save her quite a lot. And she keeps yeah. putting herself in situations where she winds up needing to be saved. And the thing that really irritates me is there's this one part where Balam Garden, Balam, Balam, Balam. Balam Garden is uh, in open battle with Galbedia Garden, which has been taken over by the sorceress. And Squall Renoa basically says, um, you're not a soldier. Don't get into this fight. And she's insistent that she goes along. And, of course, she goes along and winds up getting in trouble and winds up needing to be saved. And in certain sections of this game, the party will split off into two separate parties. And in this one, Squall is basically the commander of the garden now. And he's issuing commands and doing other stuff. And Renoa's in the, in the other party and winds up getting in trouble. So, the two other two remaining party members of that party come back and basically tell Squall, Oh, shit, you got to go save Renoa. And it's like, dude, Squall is now commanding this entire garden. He has got the lives of all the other students and soldiers, uh, his responsibility, and you want him to leave his post to go and save one girl that was stupid enough to fall down a cliff? Yeah. I didn't like this bit. Yeah, that bothers me so <laughs> yeah, much. And I didn't. I also didn't like how all the other characters were like, dude, what are you doing? You've got to go rescue her. I know. It's just like, no, actually, there's like plenty more cadets. You could go do it. I'm the freaking commander of the garden. I've got other things to do. Exactly. His priority should not be this one girl. And the fact that the the rest of the party, and they do this quite a lot, they gang up on him yeah. unjustly so. And this happens like two or three separate times. And they're like, you need to go and do this. Why aren't you doing this? And it's like, he's got other responsibilities. And like, why does he need to be the one to go and save her? Because she has a crush on him. Uh, no, he's the leader of the facility. He's under, a, he's like, it's currently under attack. If she's a casualty, then fucking tough titties. Yeah. 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 There are plenty of other people that are probably going to die. Exactly. She's not the priority. And there's another part where uh, she decides to go with these people from a country named Esther or Esther or something. Anyway. Yeah. Um, And so, she inherits the sorceress's powers and she decides herself to go with Esther and put herself in some sort of stasis so she's not at risk of of turning evil and then squall allows it and then when the rest of the party members meet up they dunk on him so bad and are like why did you let her just go off with them what is wrong with you and that bothers me so much yeah. because he's doing the right thing he's allowing her to some to have some independence and agency and make her own decision. And that everyone's like, no, no, that's the wrong decision. You should have stepped up and told her, sorry, honey, you're making the wrong choice here. You've got to stay with me because I love you, apparently. It's it's just kind of a bit bullshit because yeah. if she was a danger to, to humankind, which Sorceress Adel was, Adele, then it seems pretty damn smart to uh to lock her away even though you know you, you might have like a r- little relationship going on you don't prioritize that over the the safety of of humankind but yeah all the other characters are like dude you you gotta put love first doesn't matter how many <laughs> people die go get your pussy nah. 
<laughs> I wasn't expecting you to say that. <laughs> Gotta get your pussy. Get your pussy. <laughs> and oh, it's so annoying, too, because when he eventually goes back for her, she is ecstatic about it. And I'm like, well, it was your choice <laughs> yeah. to leave. Yeah. I could just picture her, like, walking off with her mind going, uh, is he going to follow me? <laughs> yeah. Is he going to come and get me? <laughs> it's that stupid, like, girl thing where they, they do reverse psychology being like, um, no, I don't want you to come. And then later on, when the guy doesn't show up, she's like, why didn't you show up? <laughs> yeah. They should have done something in the text like, well, I'm going to go and uh, get myself locked up now, school. Don't try and stop me. I'm going now. Okay. Bye. It's <laughs> like, okay. Have fun with that. All right. See you later. Why didn't you try and stop me? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I thought you were going to read between the lines. <laughs> so yes, it's it's a bit flawed. Yeah, that's that's annoying. But I I feel like I need to defend my man Squall. He seems to be the only one that has any rational thought when it comes to certain situations. And it just bothers me that the other characters dunk on him for it and that the player base hate on him for it and they think he's this sort of emo loner who is just an edgelord or whatever and I'm like you know what he just he's distant that's fine he's still a strong team leader he's got all this responsibility that's been dumped on him he now without even asking to be is the commander of the entire garden because the worst Sid in Final Fantasy history can't do his job properly he is the most hopeless leader of all time <laughs> Sid in this game I hate him <laughs> why'd they have to make him look so ugly yeah and in the, the cutscene in the end he really looks hideous as well like Ugh. he's had just the most plastic surgery done to him ever and his wife is so beautiful it's not fair like how did how did he get her i know mad but yeah squall unjustly dunked on and i'm i'm here for him and he was my favorite part of this game and i i'm a squall stan as the kids would say me too me too yeah yeah um all right well that's my rant on squall so um to say that the story of final fantasy 8 is somewhat complex at certain points would be not unfair to say and um one of the aspects of this game that really confused me as a kid was there are these sections where uh squall and the gang are sent supposedly back in time to experience the events uh, occurring to a group of three soldiers in the galbadian army uh which is led by a very sassy fellow named laguna what did you think of these sections um you know what Coming around again, I actually kind of enjoyed the, enjoyed them more. I remember when I first played them back in the day, I really hated them, and I was just like, yeah. "God, I want, I just want to be back with Squall and the rest of the characters and getting on with the story, rather than this weirdo and his two other weirdo friends doing what God knows what." But in this one, I I, I don't know. I felt like I kind of related more to Laguna again, uh, feeling like I kind of like this character. He's uh, he's stupid. He's he's got all these ideas of and dreams that are failing around him. It's like, yep, I have lots of failed <laughs> dreams. This man understands. Uh, uh, yeah, I quite liked him, uh, and the the actual bit that they added to the story and the history and stuff and why things are like they are was kind of interesting too. Well, I I felt much the same way. I think, um, and it's interesting that I, I think for Squall and Laguna in particular. 
there are aspects to their stories and their characters that you just don't understand as you're a kid because you lack the maturity to fully grasp it. Yeah. I remember thinking as a kid, I don't give a shit about Laguna. I don't give a shit about this stupid love story he has with some lounge singer that doesn't matter to me. I want to fight monsters. You know, I yeah. want to find out what's going on in the main story. And, of course, it does all sort of tie in back with the main story because um, the reason why Squall is being sent back in time is because his surrogate sister that I mentioned earlier. How do you pronounce her name? Uh, alone. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I just call her Alone. So. Alone. Yeah. yeah. Like Alone, but with an E. So, Alone. Anyway. <laughs> so, his surrogate sister, Alone, has this ability to have people's consciousness be sent back in time to people that she has met before or already knows. And um, it ties into the main plot because... Should I just go ahead and spoil it? Yeah. Yeah. It's a really old game now, man. It's 22 years old. Okay. We're just going to spoil it. So, Squall is Laguna's son. And I don't think this is actually ever brought up in the game. Not directly. There are some hints. Yeah. There are some hints, but it's never actually specifically stated that this is the case. Yeah. And... Just that sort of historical connection, having played that now as an adult, um, it makes a lot more sense to me and I enjoyed his segments a lot more, especially considering I could turn off all the enemy encounters (laughs) (laughs) and just experience the story as it is. So, I appreciated Laguna's sections. I didn't love him or anything like that. No. But they weren't as bothersome as they were when I was a kid and I understand why they were added. That is exactly how I feel. Yeah. Yeah. The, The whole main plot which you eventually get to towards, like, the middle of disc three when things actually start to pick up and, like, shit's actually happening, is that Squall and his gang are tasked with taking down Sorceress Edia. And Sorceress Edia is actually being possessed by a sorceress from the future called Ultimecia. And Ultimecia wants to use Alone's powers to send herself even further back in time to create some sort of time compression which will basically make reality and time fold in on itself. So, there is only one point in time that actually exists. That's my understanding of it. (laughs) If I've gotten that wrong, my bad. That sounds about right. I think it's one of those things where even the developers themselves don't actually have a clue what they're talking about. Yeah. So, that was the reason why the Laguna flashbacks are relevant to the main plot is because it highlights Elone's powers to actually be able to do that and ties in her importance to the main story when you eventually get to disc three and four. And halfway through the game, Cypher also winds up becoming the Sorceress's Knight to Sorceress Adia, and then later on, Ultimecia. What did you think as Cypher as an antagonist? I kind of felt that he deserved a bit more development, much like all the other characters. Like, he, he seems like a bit like Squall, but a bit more on the side of spoiled child just looking for acceptance sort of thing. And yeah. early on, you kind of understand that he he sees the sorceress, Adia as the, the the one who he can he can kind of like work for, get his name, become the knight that he's always wanted to be. And it just seems like as the game progresses, he kind of, he sees that he's flawed and he's, he's maybe chosen the wrong decision, but perhaps out of stubbornness continues to do it anyway. Uh, that's kind of opinion or that I got of him. I, I, I wanted a little bit more. Yeah, I kind of, I, th- I was under the impression that um, he had this childhood dream that he wanted to be a sorceress's knight and Ultimecia played on that desire and then 
brainwashed him. Yeah, I like, guess so. I was sort of under the impression that part of it was magical, I guess. But I don't know, because I, I didn't really understand his motivation other than this really sort of surface level desire to, I want to be a knight. And then she's like, okay, I'll, I'll make you a knight and you will be my servant or whatever. I think there was also some anger towards Squaw and the other seeds because uh, Cipher, sorry, Cipher- <sighs> does not become a seed. Yeah. And perhaps there's some kind of resentment of the other characters for that. And thus he tries to kind of thwart them by becoming the enemy. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty shallow, but yeah. 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 That That's a big, like, I don't know if it's much reason to do what he does, but I guess it might add to it. I, I kind of found him sort of forgettable. Yeah. When you're forced to fight him several times, you you go a, a couple of hours without seeing him, and then all of a sudden, oh, it's Cipher. You got to fight Cipher. I'm like, oh, I forgot Cipher existed. <laughs> yeah, I agree. He ain't no Sephiroth, that's for sure. No, or Kuja, or whatever. It would have been nice maybe if they had like a redemption arc where he realized he was a bell end and turned yeah. good. I guess he kind of does sort of ish at the end. Once he has his has his ass handed to him, he does become good in the end, or goes back to being. A dick, but not an evil dick. Yeah. <laughs> I guess it kind of speaks to his success as a character when you look at games like Dissidia and he hasn't been included in any of them. Yeah. <laughs> you know? a, I mean, it is kind of a shame, but I'm not surprised. I, I like yeah. his design, though. <laughs> I'll give him that. Yeah, he looks all right. Oh, yeah. fun fact. Did mm-hmm. you know that Squall was based off of Phoenix? What's his name? River Phoenix. River Phoenix. Yeah, I, I, I do. Yeah. Oh. That's the only reason I know who River Phoenix is, to be honest. Oh, I knew River Phoenix. He's like Joaquin Phoenix's brother. He ended up accidentally overdosing. Wow. I think. Yeah, he died when he was quite young. Did not know that. Hmm. Sad times. It's very sad. School lives on. He lives on in school. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Terrible. (laughs) But yeah, he lives on in school. mentioned a sorceress earlier who you called Adel uh-huh. I call Adele <laughs> like the singer yeah I don't have a clue about this one yeah. <laughs> I'm just gonna call her Adele but um, th- it's questionable whether or not you can call her her either I know Jesus Christ what's your opinion on that she's definitely a she yeah but uh, yeah you, you could be forgiven for thinking otherwise yeah so her character design, for those who haven't seen her, is she? she's basically got the upper torso of a male bodybuilder. Yeah, she's got a million abs, incredibly ripped to hell. Yeah. She's also, uh, I don't know, <laughs> 10 feet tall or something. Yeah. Uh, really freaky looking. Yeah, I actually really like the design, but the, the gender situation was confusing to me because I, I thought that it was potentially some sort of translation error Hmm. like when they translated it from japanese to english they might have gotten it wrong or something like that like they did with Aerith's name yeah but apparently she's intended to be female so my interpretation of it is that the sorceress's power has um obviously allows her to do things that regular people can't do so i'm thinking that maybe adele as a sorceress is using her power more as maybe like a physical buffer or 
um, literally like buffer, <laughs> buffing her <laughs> yeah, herself. That's up. the sort of thing I got the impression too. Yeah, like instead of maybe being like the elegant uh, ice spear throwing sorceress that Adia is, um, Adele is the massive hulking bodybuilder sorceress who likes to dispatch her foes with um, uppercuts to the face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, down the roids. Yeah, <laughs> it's just a sorceress. Roy Dell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I remember when you first encounter her in space when Renoa releases her seal. Uh, I was like, I was so kind of disturbed by her character design. It was just the weirdest thing. And also, I have yeah. bad memories because I got stuck on her fight once and I couldn't get past because you're in an area where you just can't leave and you can't really level up or you know, get enough magic to really do anything. And the actual fight itself just becomes too hard, and I was stuck there forever. Oh, yeah! Just like Adele was stuck in that frozen capsule, rolling in the deep. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but it's fine because uh, and then she woke up and set fire to the rain. Yeah, and and she came down when the sky fell. <laughs> yeah. And then she said, "Hello, it's me, Adele." <laughs> <laughs> Hello. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That reminds me, there are the concepts that I think are really interesting in this game. Um, as you said, the, the cast go to space. But there's this concept that monsters belong on the moon. And that's where they've originally come from. And there's this event that happens called a lunatia. Where on, I don't know what the planet's called. I'm just going to call it Earth for the sake of yep. brevity. So, on Earth, there is a uh, some sort of monolith called... Uh, Lunatic Pandora. Yep. I always read it as Lunatic Pandora, but okay. I'm an idiot. Well, I say Lunatic for sure. <laughs> yeah. All right, fine. Lunatic Pandora. So, once the monolith goes to a certain section, it can basically call down this Lunatia, which is uh, all of the monsters on the moon gathering in one spot to the point where it drops off the moon like a single tier and then is drawn towards the planet by the lunatic Pandora. (laughs) And then that's the reason why there are monsters on the planet and um, this event also devastates the country where they fall. And I think this is specific to, like, it's some sort of process that's been developed by sorceresses in the past and um, was, like, Adele's plan or whatever. And um, Ultimecia, through possessing Renoa, because Renoa becomes a sorceress, Freeze Adele and sets off this lunatia. Mm. And I thought the concept was fascinating and I wanted more of that stuff through the whole game. I was uh, quite enthralled by it and yeah. specifically love the cutscenes here too. They were just really cool. But I did oh, have yeah. the I do have to question why they they didn't just destroy the lunatic Pandora instead of submerging it in the ocean. Uh Perhaps they couldn't. Good point. Um, maybe they just didn't have the forethought to do that and they needed a, a quick fix rather than massive explosion or something. Mm, I guess. So, this brings me to my other thing that I like most about this game. And it is, I don't recall any other Final Fantasy being this abstract and surreal. Yeah. And what I mean by that is eventually when Ultimecia creates this time compaction thing there are some trippy like i don't want to call them like 70s or 60s drug (laughs) 
inspired <laughs> things, but yeah. some crazy shit happens. And I've never seen anything like that in any other Final Fantasy game. And the closest I can think of is potentially in Final Fantasy IX, Memoria and the Crystal World, which are kind of like this combination of other environments sort of. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, like sort of in a new surreal light. And they've got like sideways weird angles and yeah. it's like an Escher painting at times. Yeah, like that guy with this, the stairs painting. Yeah, Escher. Yeah, Esther. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so I loved all that stuff towards the end. And I, I just wish that it, it didn't go far enough for me. I feel like the first two discs were a bit of a waste. And I just wish that they had jumped into this other... Like, Ultimacia comes out of nowhere. There's basically no build-up yeah. to her whatsoever. I, I, I hear this a lot as a common yeah. complaint, why people kind of can't get into it too much because they think they're they think the ultimate enemy is going to be sorceress Sadia, and then uh by the end of this two she's kind of on your side more or less yeah and and then you're wondering trying to like save her and you you hear about ultimacia so like the first time you see her is when she takes control of renoa and it's only like a like a flash that you see her as a kind of a ghost taking over yeah but you only really see her when you actually get to her castle really so she's an unknown enemy but i kind of like that they tried it it's it's very unusual uh yeah. a method of doing this like she is the enemy she's a big threat she's the sorceress that has kind of been the puppeteer you know working all this from the get-go you just don't realize it well she was idiot from the start yeah she just was in her body. But the problem I have with it is the pacing of it because it's you spend the first two discs doing like these military fetch quests type of stuff, like really small scale stuff. And yeah. then towards the end of disc three, where in space and crazy shit's happening, I just wish that there was more of a like that stuff would sort of happen earlier and then we could spend a lot more time doing this crazy shit, like this sorceress stuff that's super interesting and this time compression stuff and and I just wanted like a bit more of that. Yeah, I could have done with more. I did I did yeah. kind of have the the feeling that something's happened kind of too quick as well. Yeah. Uh, like, like actually the the pit when you go into space, you kind of just turn up at the, at the space station and you just get instantly launched into space. I found that really quite funny. I thought <laughs> yeah. there was going to be more to it, like a bit of a I don't know, like a health and safety breathing. What's going to happen when you get <laughs> flung into space? We just get like launched in this pod and get caught yeah. by a net and then people people come out of the space station <laughs> to carry you in. That made me laugh. <laughs> I wanted flight attendants telling me where the safest exits were. And yeah. How to inflate my life raft or whatever. Exactly. I wanted <laughs> someone to help me put my seatbelt on and stuff but no yeah i wanted to have prosecco on the journey there yeah offer me some peanuts <laughs> <laughs> yeah it oh, was kind Christ. of ridiculously fast yeah ah uh, it's it's just one of those things because um it's a different kind of disappointment for me than the one i had for final fantasy 12 because all the pieces were there to make something like really really great and it just didn't quite get there for me 12 when I think about that one, that one had a lot more work to do to make it really good. This one, everything was in place and there were these hints of really super interesting stuff and abstract ideas that I absolutely loved. Like this otherworldly sorceress from a time far in the future is coming to the present to fuck our shit up. That's cool. It is very original yeah time travel is such a kind of touchy thing it's so weird i mean i kind of hate time travel because there are so many 
plot holes to it and you could just be like yeah. well if you did that in the past how could the future be like this blah 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 blah. uh but you know i, I take it all with a pinch of salt and be like i love the story this is how it is i'll i'll accept it yeah uh, so it's kind of brave that they've done that but i agree it would have been nice to have just more of the, of the stuff in the third and fourth disc just more yeah. of that developed perhaps at a slower pace and maybe less Absolutely. of the stuff in the second and first disc yeah less like i said earlier the military thing is slightly off-putting for me so less military more magic that's what i wanted yeah it's strange actually because there are some things in the latter discs which happen really fast but in the first two discs there is a lot of waiting around oh so much waiting like there's some things where you actually have to just wait for time to pass before someone like comes in the door and something gets going or you're just waiting on a train and uh, yeah, that kind of goes away in the in the latter half of the game. It's rather strange. And I feel like the world itself too is much smaller than other games in the series. Yeah, it kind of felt that way a bit. Yeah, there's only like maybe four islands with actual cities on them. And the rest are sort of have maybe a dungeon on them or a baron or something like that. And the way the characters travel around these countries is not like in previous games where you're on a journey. This is just sort of like, okay, we are catching a train to the other town. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which I don't yeah. mind. But yeah, I quite like that. Yeah, it, it takes away though this this sense of like going on a quest. You're just going around the world. <laughs> you're boot scooting off to the timber and solving some problems and then boot scooting your way back. <laughs> yeah. But oh well. I, I do kind of know what you mean. The world did feel a little bit sparse. Yeah. Uh, when I'm looking at it from from today's eyes, <sighs> I don't know. It's just difficult to uh, to say. Like there are there are a few random areas like Windhill and the Shumi Village, which you can completely avoid as well. Sure, it's kind yeah. of strange. Up, uh, beating around the bush is Renoa Sorceress Ultimicia. <laughs> um, I don't think so. Okay, I don't think so. Let's explain the theory. <laughs> yeah, you're full, you're more familiar with it with me at this point. Ah, shit. So okay, take the lead, please. <laughs> All right. So, because Ultimicia is a sorceress from the future, there's this fan theory going around that um, Ultimicia is actually. Renoa from the future who has become twisted and evil because she had lost Squall at some point and there are a couple of things that sort of tie into this and um, Squall has this ring that has a lion emblem on it and it's given to Renoa at one point and uh, she asks him what it's called and he tells her that uh, it's called Griva but the player can actually pick the name um, I called it Puda. <laughs> <laughs> and so when you get into the fight with sorceress Ultimicia towards the end um, she will summon Griva or in my case Puda <laughs> as a GF so there are two sides to this which is um, one side is saying that the reason why she has Puda as a GF is because <laughs> she created the GF using 
the ring as like a basis for whatever and because uh, it's a symbol of of squall and blah 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 or the other one is she created Puda <laughs> or Kriva <laughs> as kind of like in, in Ghostbusters where um, they're, they're like, pick your your final enemy's form. And then they're like, don't think of anything, don't think of anything. And somebody thinks of the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man and that's what it turns into. <laughs> so, the ultimate thing is they think that um, the reason why she picked Griva or Puda, in my case, is... <laughs> <laughs> is because uh, it's a symbol of Squall and he it's something ho- he holds important. So, she turned it into a guardian force to fight back against him. So, it's kind of like facing this this thing that you, you hold precious to yourself or whatever. Um, yeah. And, and that's the basic gist of it. Everyone sort of thinks that Renoa from the future turns into Ultimecia. And um, oh, there's also a plot point brought up, which is... Kind of important. The whole thing about the orphanage and everybody forgetting each other. The explanation for that was because they're seeds, they're using GFs. And there's this sort of information that's planted early on in the game through supplementary material. I think it's just by talking to NPCs and stuff like that. Yeah, there's also the uh, computer terminal in the classroom. You can look at it. It says about it. That's it. There's like a news article on there or something. And it mentions that people who use GFs lose their memories. So, the explanation for all of the seeds losing their memories and forgetting when they grew up in the orphanage together is because they're using GFs and Irvine remembers them because he doesn't really use GFs. So, the other explanation is they think that Ultimecia is Renoa who has forgotten her true self or doesn't recognize her past self and Squall because she's been using GFs for such a long time and she is the sorceress or whatever. Hmm. But I don't know. I mean... I think it's a cool theory. It's one of the yeah. best theories. I'm not sure I really have a strong opinion of it. I, I mean, I think I kind of just like to take the story as it was in the game. Yeah. And everyone lived happily ever after. But I'm pretty sure the developers have kind of said, no, this is not correct. Yeah, that's true. They did come out and say, no, that's not the case. But i got to say, out of all the fan theories in past games and present games and all of those, it's probably the most convincing and the most interesting or rather, the most plausible. Plausible, for sure. Yeah. I can definitely see how they've come up with this um, this idea, and I really like the idea. I kind of secretly wish it was true, but I know it's not. It would be very cool. Yeah. I yeah. think if it was true, they would have put in a few more hints and not left it quite so vague. But if, like, the developers themselves are outright saying, no, that's not true, then you kind of have to take their word for it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's an interesting one, and it's a lot, a whole lot better than the school is dead theory. Ah, uh, tell us about that, because I didn't do any research on that. I mean, there's not much exactly to it. It's, it's just so stupid that essentially at the end of disc one, um, there's a fight with a deer, and there's a cutscene where she launches this giant ice spear right through school's chest, and you just see him fall into uh, oblivion off the edge of this uh, of the battle zone. And then in disc two, you kind of wake up with him in the infirmary looking dazed and confused <laughs> and the theory goes that he dies when he gets stabbed by this ice icicle and the rest of the game is just him kind of uh, dying in his his dreams i think that is the basic theory <laughs> i hate it <laughs> it's so, it's just dumb it's stupid it's one of those it was all a dream endings and i just don't think that they would do anything that cheap and that shitty to the player base for for three extra discs it's yeah. not just a dream. That's that's dumb. 
uh, the, the problem with the theory is they're kind of seeing the world in the game as real life and they're saying well a giant icicle goes through your heart like that you're dead but yeah you know it's it's final fantasy man you can just use a potion or a <laughs> full life and he's back to normal yeah doesn't work the same it didn't even go through his heart it went through his right side not his left side yeah yeah so probably deal immense pain but he's fine yeah <laughs> and we don't even know the anatomy of humans in this world his heart yeah. could be in his foot for all we know i know right they could not yeah. have hearts they could have little jelly beans or something <laughs> Or maybe they've just got lots of hearts. Yeah. Little yeah. jelly beans scattered around. And if they just, if like a couple of the beans get destroyed, it doesn't matter. <laughs> just means the yeah. other beans have to work harder. <laughs> <laughs> I like this theory. Yeah. I think the main evidence that you use is there's this one cutscene when things are getting really surreal towards the end, there's a, uh, a one second, even less than that, like a quick flash shot of Squall without a face. Oh, I love that bit. Yeah, and they're using that as evidence to say that Squall is dead. But if you pay attention, this sort of fate faceless silhouette thing that Squall has mirrors Ultimecia's final boss form. So I think it has more to do with a reflection of Ultimecia and her powers and control and stuff rather than Squall actually being like, quote unquote, faceless or dead. Well, there's the whole thing that under time compression... The, re- the way you get back to your time zone is you have to think of where you want to be. You want to think of the time you came from, the people around you. And I think school is worried that people might forget him. And so he's like, I took it to mean like that he's forgot his own face or, you know, he- he's not being remembered. Oh, that's his fear. Something like that. Yeah. 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 yeah I like that. Open to interpretation, isn't it? Totally. And-, and that's the beauty of like this whole surrealist stuff towards the end which is my favorite part. So, yeah. Loved all that. Do you think yeah. that Final Fantasy VIII will ever get the same sort of remake treatment as Seven? Uh, no. I highly doubt it. Yeah. I do too. It's a shame that because I would kind of love this world to be developed. Um, I think I would like it. From from what I'm, I've heard about the Final Fantasy VII remake, they've sort of remade it, but they're going in another direction. Yeah. I don't know the actual spoilers, but- from what I've gleaned from people's impressions and stuff is they've taken the first disc of Final Fantasy VII, which ends in Midgar, mm-hmm. and turned that into the remake. But at the end of the remake story, they've set it up so it goes into a completely different direction. So, I like that idea and it took me a long time to get around to that idea. So, if they were, were to remake Final Fantasy VIII, I would like them to do that where they take what's already there but they change it modernize it the story is not bulletproof so by all means please fix the story oh (laughs) yes it needs to be fixed (laughs) yeah it's not one of those things where where i think people who love final fantasy 7 so much are like no no don't change anything you can't change anything i don't think people will feel the same way about final fantasy 8 um so if they were to remake it do it and change it and fix it (laughs) Then I'd totally yeah. play it. Yeah, we don't need just small embellishments. We need a whole lot, a whole lot of new stuff. Yeah, we need Selfie to have a character that isn't cutesy cutesy. Zell to have a personality or more of a personality, <laughs> other than yelling yeah. stuff. And maybe no tribal tattoo. Yeah, get rid of the Mike Tyson tribal tattoo and uh, fist me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's my thoughts on it. I wouldn't mind, but I just don't think they're going to do it i don't think so either yeah but oh well i can dream and further to that 
you'll see people in chat rooms and, and message boards and stuff saying, well, Final Fantasy VIII sold much better than, you know, all the other games other than Seven. I'm like, yeah, but... Doesn't make it a good game, really. Exactly. The reason why, and this is my theory, the reason why it sold so well is because people who had played Seven and loved Seven, because for the time it was released, it was mind-blowing. So, they love that so much that they're like, oh my God, 8 is just going to be so good. And they had this super hyped up feeling about it. So, when they bought 8, they all bought it expecting it to be the same level of quality as 7 and it wasn't. It was a bit too different for them. And even though it sold really well, um, I think that led into Final Fantasy 9 having lackluster sales as well because people were burned by 8. Yeah. Yeah. That's my theory. Yeah. It's probably people not kind of appreciating that each game is completely different from the other yeah like people wanted a direct sequel yeah exactly but yeah they just are not true final fantasy fans so they didn't know that each one is different (laughs) (laughs) yep i agree that's probably the reason yeah fucking losers anyway (laughs) let's wrap it up yeah well it's a massive game i'm sure you've missed bits but i think we've covered mostly everything that we need to yeah i did like it if it wasn't for the cheats i would not have finished it so i'm very thankful that that's been put in and um i'm just a, a little bit annoyed that the switch version hurt my hand so much <laughs> that that is a pity yeah uh, i mean i haven't finished yet so i'm probably gonna go and play it a bit after this well spoiler Maybe. alert it's the same as the old game so what <laughs> good thing you finished it before <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm gonna go do some triple triad i think gotta, yeah. gotta fill up that that card collection all right so what is the game for next episode Okay, the game for next episode is Detroit Become Human. Yes, sir. Uh, I'm quite looking forward to that one. It's going to be a, a nice change of pace. I think I've played half of it already, but I'm going to start from the beginning again and, and give it another go. Yeah. Because uh, I've forgotten what's happened. But yeah, looking forward to it. Uh, bonus episode for Metroid Prime will be out in the coming days. Um, another bonus will be probably out after that. I don't know what's going to come first. It might be Detroit, might not be. Who knows? Other than that, who are our sponsors for today? Our sponsors. <laughs> so today's episode is brought to you by our seedy underbelly, Master Norg, who lives at the bottom of our podcast headquarters. He's like a big jab at the hut, just giving us money. And he's got really long fingers. He's got big old hands. Yeah. <laughs> so if you drop your car keys down a, a sewer grate, he can just reach in with his two fingers and pull them out. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Norg. Yeah, thanks, Norg. <laughs> I would like to thank menthol ice gel, which I've been using on my arthritic hands. So it's helped a lot in the last couple of days. <laughs> but make sure you wash your hands after you've applied it and don't touch your penis. <laughs> Because it's not a pleasant experience. Unless, of course, you've got an arthritic penis, in which case it might be a good idea. True. If you're, if the bone in your penis is <laughs> aching, give it a go. Yeah. <laughs> Fun fact, there was a kid in our, in our primary school, or actually might have even been high school, who thought that there was legitimately a, a bone in people's penises. <laughs> well, that's why it's called a boner, right? Well, he thought that that's why it was called a boner. <laughs> he was like, oh, yeah. The penis bone. I'm like, no, you idiot. <laughs> Ugh, I'm glad there isn't. Oh, my God. I actually got another story. <laughs> <laughs> I used to work at this place. Um, I'm not going to tell you where. 
because there's a chance that they might listen. Um, <laughs> okay. But there was this guy who would come up with all these excuses to take days off work. Uh, a very popular one for him would be like, oh, my brother is in court or something like that. So, he has to take a day off to appear in court with him for some reason. And like a week or two later, a co-worker will ask him, oh, how was your brother's court date? And he's like, my brother's not going to court. And like, he would just forget the lies that he's told. And then he'd be like, oh, oh, that court date. <laughs> and try and like cover it up. But one day he called in sick and he claimed that his girlfriend broke his penis. So... <laughs> You have to take the day <laughs> off work. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And then when he came back, he, he was telling everyone, yeah, she just like, it, it wasn't near her hole and she just like sat on it and squashed it and broke it. <laughs> Got a fractured penis. Yeah. Like a broken penis. Um, wow. Yeah. We didn't believe him. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't believe him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. You can find us on Twitter. We now have more followers, so thank you for everyone that's following. Greatly appreciated if you've made it this far. Um, we are at Bad Backlog. You can find us on Instagram at Good Bad Backlog, Twitch at Good Bad Backlog, YouTube. I've got stuff coming, I promise. The Good, the Bad, and the Backlog is our YouTube channel, and you can buy our merchandise at shop.spreadshirt.com/slash/goodbadbacklog. Thank you so much for joining us. Stay tuned for more, etc. Yes. Bye-bye. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>